What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Mario, with another episode of Intuitive Minds Podcast. And today's guest, we have a pioneer in the game. She does a lot of things behind the scenes. Creative producer, Mara Chance. How are you, Mara? I'm well. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Thank you for being a part of it. Hanging in there. You know, midday in New York City. You're in LA, so it's still noon for you, correct? Yes, it's early in the day, thankfully. But I've been up. I work out around six, so I feel like I've had a full day already. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. LA has that like it, it gets that like five o'clock in the morning workout, and then you go for a hike sometimes, and then you start <laughs> working around ten or nine thirty. Yeah, LA vibe, man. I love it. I love it. it. It's it's great. Do you go hiking a lot or just? So I actually I I don't. I wish I went more. I actually have um some knee issues, and so I can't mm. hike too too much. I do enjoy it, um, but I probably hike maybe once a month or so. Mm, okay, so like Runyon Canyon or like the small hikes? I'm like Ryman, so I'm not Runyon Canyon level just yet. Um, hopefully, I will get there. Mm-hmm. But I, right now, I'm I'm keeping it on a smaller yeah, a smaller hike. Yeah. Ryman is in the um, in the mm-hmm. valley a little bit, mm-hmm. and it's less crowded too, which I like a lot. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, I love Ryman. Ryman is is especially when you're like up early. It's like you need that piece of quiet, just the nature, the birds chirping. It, yeah, and it's a small trail too. It's not that big, so it's like it gets you. No, from point it feels in. big because I'm not in the best shape, but it really <laughs> is, it might be like two miles. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's still great for early morning. Running can is too many people, and then you have a lot of celebrities and a lot of it's too too crowded sometimes. Agree. Yeah, it's it's yeah, but um, now break down on who Mara is and everything. Where did you grow up and everything? Ooh, man, that's a that's a question there. Um. Well, I'm Mara. I'm originally from Chicago, Illinois. Um, I've kind of grown up a little bit of everywhere. I, I'd say Caliago. I, um, I actually moved to LA around the age of 13 to um, pursue just um, the entertainment industry. I mm-hmm. grew up always as a performer. I would say I'm definitely a Renaissance kid, Renaissance woman now, mm-hmm. um, but grew up literally dancing in plays, drawing. I wanted to be in fashion. I was acting. And so I had the opportunity to move out to LA um, at 13 after attending a summer camp um, with this manager by the name of Donna Jean Gohe. She was representing a lot of uh, talented children on Nick and Disney. And she kind of gave me my shot to jump into the business head first. And so mm-hmm. um, I, I moved out here and I actually was living with her in somewhat of a boarding home with other um, aspiring actors and actresses. And so I was going back and forth between Chicago and uh, and also Northwest Indiana. Mm-hmm. My parents work in Chicago. I'm from Chicago. And we've also lived in Northwest Indiana for some time and then have been here um, for a minute. So I did that for a while. And while doing it, I was homeschooled, actually. And so I think in that period, I really kind of started just dipping my toes into other creative avenues. Mm -hmm. I started writing. I ran a life and culture blog called Lips Unsealed. Um, I teamed up with actor Kofi Cerebo from Queen Sugar. Mm -hmm. We launched a platform called The Black Sheep, which was kind of the first this kind of was early two thousand oh, mid two thousands and we were doing interviews and content with different celebrities around LA. I mean, early content has everybody from Nipsey Hustle to Janaeco and um, Sky Sky Townsend. It's on Black Lady Sketch Show. And so just really kind of really started producing there. I was writing, I was doing graphic work and just touching everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I then eventually went on, um, attended Spelman College in Atlanta and all girls um, HBCU and got a degree in gender studies and in writing. And while I was there, I think I always planned to come right back to this entertainment industry in the capacity I was in as an actress. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I really actually fell in love with producing and I fell in love with the business of entertainment while there mm-hmm. through various internships, Baycon and working a little bit with Janelle Monet. I was at BET for a bit, um, Black Lady Fil- um, the Black Women's Film Network, um, ABFF, Bronze Lens Film Festival out of Atlanta. And mm-hmm. I really just started learning about all the other facets. And I think as somebody who, while I love performing, I enjoy the puppeteering a little bit more. I enjoy mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. able to control, um, you know, what people are digesting and consuming and having that voice an actor brings to life, you know, somebody else's words and things, but who are, who's making those plays. Yeah, so, exactly. you know, my career shifted a little bit and, um, following graduation, I launched my own production company and creative agency and I was producing content for minority businesses in Atlanta I then had the amazing opportunity to come be an apprentice to showrunner, writer, director, yes. Mara Baraka Kill. Mm-hmm. And um, that that was a whirlwind and got me really into screenwriting a bit more and understanding producing and mm-hmm. showrunning. And then from then, um, I went on and was with Yara Shahidi for the last four years um, as a really as her director of creative media. And um, now I'm jumping back into the entrepreneurial journey as mm-hmm. a full-time creative, a creative producer, still working uh, with Yara on a project basis. And honestly, just just really trying to pursue the stories that I want to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, you know, that's, that, pretty much, yeah. that's, that's me. That's who I am. Yeah, and I mean, it's been you, my whole life. <laughs> you, you've pretty much covered all my talking points. Oh. <laughs> Oh, goodness. I can elaborate on everything. Oh, no, no. Yes, yes. Of course. You're not the first one to do that. So I'm very used to it. But I love it in a way because it makes it easier for me to, like, get back into it. Because people already heard it and they're like, oh, wait, I want to hear more about that. Well, right. I'll give you the chance to hear more about that because I'm going to go right back to it. And it seems like traveling has been a part of your life at a very early age. So you probably are very accustomed to traveling. You probably have, like, a travel bag ready. Like, you're... <laughs> I, I, I am I am very flattered that you think that my life is that kind of organized. Um, <laughs> I began traveling very, very young, actually, mm-hmm. obviously domestically. Actually, I started probably flying by myself, I think, at age three. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would spend all of my summers, both my parents' um, paternal families are from Louisiana. So I spent most of my summers between L.A. with my mom's mother and then Louisiana seeing both my parent, my parents' dads. Um, between New Orleans and Baton Rouge. So I tried to start traveling like that. And interestingly enough, my dad's, my mom's father um, actually took all of the grandchildren on a road trip. And so probably before the age of 14, I had been to every state except Alaska. Mm-hmm. Um, I still haven't been to Alaska. <laughs> and I didn't really begin, I didn't begin international travel really until much later in my life. And mm-hmm. not because I didn't have the opportunity, but I was so focused on work. Right. So I, I probably, I think I had my first international trip right around the time of graduating college, actually, um, under the Cayman Islands. And I mean, since then I've traveled all over Europe, I've been to Cuba and, you know, I've moved around quite a bit, but it, it's weird that I, I really didn't actually start really, really traveling specific, especially internationally, mm-hmm. um, until probably the last five to seven years. Mm, what has been your favorite spot traveling? Oh, wow. That's a hard one. Um, <laughs> so I will say, okay, from a, amazing trip perspective i'm gonna say cuba um i we went to cuba for my my best friend's 25th birthdays years ago and we not only went to havana but we also went to trinidad cuba and um one as just a woman of the diaspora i'm always i'm passionate about exploring the diaspora around the world and so i getting to see 
you know, black and brown people. That was really exciting. And I sometimes, although I know there's large populations in parts of Europe, mm-hmm. when I've gone largely for work, I just haven't been in those communities necessarily. Um, and so I would say Cuba, definitely probably one of my absolute favorites. I also really, really love Verona, Italy. Now, nice. obviously, I didn't see much of the diaspora in Verona. However, um, as a literature nerd, they um, Verona is where... Um, what am I trying to say? Shakespeare, Romeo and Juliet is based mm-hmm. on the city of Verona. Although Shakespeare yep. apparently never went to the city, it's based there. And so that city is like the most romantic city. Mm-hmm. And most people don't know, they actually have like a black bishop. Um, there's the oldest living library, the oldest yep. existing library mm-hmm. is still there in the Verona. So it was just full of history. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. And I absolutely love Italian food. So mm-hmm. it's somewhere between Verona and Cuba. Yeah, I, it's amazing to to hear somebody talk about international stuff like that because I'm Albanian, so I'm I'm ah. neighbor I'm neighbors with Italy. So the things that you mentioned, I'm I'm very appalled, and I'm like, wow, that's awesome that she she knows because not many people from America know these types of history. I'm a history, you know, it's funny. I don't consider myself like a huge history buff, but right. specifically working with Yara for so many years. If anyone knows anything about Yara, she really is a history buff. And so when we were going to cities, um, a large part of even producing for her was finding things that really aligned with the pillars of her life and education and learning is one of them. And so we really wouldn't go anywhere that we're not going on some type of educational journey. It would always be fun. But Mm -hmm. even I think the first time I was in Paris, we retraced James Baldwin's steps through Paris. Um, so like I've just had very unique experiences with travel. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I've seen the the standard, you know, tourist attractions. But right. when we go, we were always really deep. We're doing deep dives into the mm-hmm. history and learning about the people and the culture. Even when I travel, I guess, with my friends going to Trinidad, Cuba, everyone goes to Havana. That's six hours, I want to say, south of Havana. Yep. And it's literally, I mean, it's it's such a, lo- it's a local, I mean, everybody who lives there is, is from there. There mm-hmm. were any, there, you know, there are not any mainstream restaurants. Like we have to eat with locals and things like that. And I love that. If I'm going to leave mm-hmm. my home, I'm going to want to experience something that I can't experience right. at home. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and it's, it's it, what is like, you mentioned like food and everything and dishes as well. So like, do you have any dishes that you brought back home? You're like, you know what? I'd like to try and make that. Okay, so I learned, I did pasta making all through mm-hmm. Italy. Um, and so I can make pasta. I've already loved pasta, but I mean, making homemade pasta is something very new. I will say, I can't say any specific things because I was like, where I was in Italy, I'm a huge lasagna person and lasagna right. was not very present. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. And it's I've been to other parts of Italy as well, but I, I actually have never been in any of the places that... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lasagna is popular, yeah. but I learned how to make a few <laughs> other pasta dishes. And since coming back, I've actually made lasagna with fresh noodles. Mm-hmm. So I can mm-hmm. say that nice, um, nice. I was eating a lot of a lot more um, tropical fruits when I was in Cuba, and also when I was in the Cayman Islands. I'm not a big tropical fruit person, so that's not necessarily like a dish per se. Mm-hmm. But it's something that I do like. I wasn't a mango person. I love mango now. It's in every mm-hmm. smoothie I have. And I wasn't using plantains as much. I eat plantains a lot now. It's one of my favorite <laughs> nice. foods. Um, so, I mean, I, I try to bring a little something back. I will say my friends will laugh because I, while I want to experience different things, I am a very picky, kind of scared eater a little bit. Like, I don't ever want to offend. And I also have a very like childlike taste palette. 
So I'm always looking for dishes that incorporate at least ingredients that I'm already familiar with. It may not have to be a dish I'm familiar with, but like, oh, okay, chicken or it has rice or like beans or something that's everywhere. Like I'm like, okay, like what's the bean dish here? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I mean, I I try new things, but I do kind of stick to some of the things I know, the things I know I'm real comfortable with. Which, which, I mean, when you're traveling to foreign countries, you do have to be, so you kind of have a good quality in the sense of like, if you're going to a foreign country and you're not too sure, you're like, all right, you know what? I'm going to just stick to this one. So I feel like, yeah. I don't know how my stomach's going to react to stuff. Everybody's different. You do different. not know. You do not know. Yeah. And so, the last thing you want to be is sick abroad. Yeah, exactly. Especially, yeah, it's, it's, it's bad. And then one thing about it is you mentioned the history part of it. I feel like the more history, you know, the less likely you are to go to the most touristy part. You actually want to know more local stuff. I found myself doing that. I was like, I want to do something more local, less touristy, because I know the history. There's a history behind it. So I feel like the more history you know about a place, the the less touristy places you're going to go, if you catch my drift. No, I, I agree. I completely agree. Yeah. So now, being that you traveled a lot and everything, what inspired you growing up? Like whether it was music or, or movies or people? Oh man, everything. Um, music for sure. I still love music. Um, I grew up in a very music, uh, a music driven home. We're not musically inclined, so to say. Um, but my parents, my dad is an elevator mechanic and he, he would serve sometimes different theaters around Chicago. So I literally grew up going to concerts probably like every week as a kid. And I'm talking like as early as two to three. I was on stage with Isaac Hayes around four years old singing nice. and dancing. Um, so I, I, you know, I have so many influences and also having parents, my parents are born in the fifties and the sixties. And mm-hmm. so um, for some of my peers, I have parents of, you know, older generations, but because of that, I, my influences literally span so many generations mm-hmm. and growing up with bands like that, I was around my dad's mentors, my mom's. And so I, I, I pride myself on, having an intergenerational lens to most things. Um, I would say intergenerational conversations were a huge part of things that inspired me. Like I would just sit amongst old people. I would be at the barbershop, a beauty shop, just taking Mm -hmm. in the conversations, everything Mm -hmm. from, you know, all types of media. We always had, we were always uh, ferocious readers. I was reading a ton, obviously some of the standard, you know, Judy Blooms and things like that as a kid. But I mean, I was also reading, you know, Malcolm X biography. And Mm -hmm. I grew up also with parents that didn't necessarily have like a crazy filter on us. So I was definitely watching like The Wire as a kid. And like, even a lot of girls are like discovering sex in the city, but I was watching that with my mom when I was young. And so we never really had, um, I, I just, I consumed everything. Right. And um, I would say some of the things that most inspire me, or I wouldn't say not necessarily representation in the sense that I need to see someone that looks like me, yeah. but I need to see someone that feels like me, if that mm-hmm. even makes sense. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it comes in the way that somebody also looks like me, but often um, I'm like, for one of my favorite movies is Baps, but I also have so many movies, <laughs> nice. I guess like mainstream culture that I'm like, people mm-hmm. are like surprised that I love Little Miss Sunshine, but like, I was so awkward, like, like Olive, like that I saw myself in Olive and it's, it's one of my favorite movies to this Mm -hmm. day. And so I would say I took influence everywhere. My parents are, my dad rides motorcycles. I was influenced by motorcycle culture and I was influenced even by being from Chicago and having a dad in the fifties. I'm inspired by the pimp game and pimping culture and sex work like i i find inspiration everywhere i I remember being really young and when back that ass came up i was being babysat and like 
just was watching like the video vixens like that influenced <laughs> like how I wanted to dress and like mm-hmm. what I thought was attractive and just so many things because I was consumed. I was literally, I've always been a hyper consumer. So now thinking about it, everything has influenced Mm -hmm. me. I feel like city people, city people are like that because it's the same way for me. Like growing up, I I learned how to curse at five. Um, Yeah. Oh, I was cursing very young. Yeah. You know, I was calling moms, I was calling my friends, moms, bitches. And it was was all types of shit. Um, And then, you kind of grow up, you, you kind of see shit because, you know, coming from a third world country, you see a lot of things that you're like, I'm not, I'm traumatized by it and I can't really talk about it type of stuff. So then you, you kind of grow up and then you mentioned entertainment as well. I used to watch like Jean-Claude Van Damme movies at like seven or, and then when I was 10, I got into the mob movies. Started watching The Godfather, yeah. Goodfellas, Casino, and I was infatuated by that stuff. But that's because of where I grew up. So it was like, hmm, I kind of like this stuff. So I get the sense. And I feel like it's only city people. I've never met any people from the suburbs that had that kind of sense. Well, I mean, I just think that you, I mean, I think because we are in cities, there's so much to consume when you're Mm -hmm. living in a rural town, things like that, that just simply is not like, there may be like one theater or one high school. Like Mm -hmm. there just, there aren't that many types of people. When you grow up in a city, it's a melting pot. There are so many people from everywhere, regardless if you necessarily interact, like, you know, that there are just communities Mm -hmm. with all different kinds of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then so we you, have those natural influences. We yeah. tried those foods. Like people who live in certain rural towns, like oh, my friends would be like, oh, I've never had Indian food. I'm like, what? Like, huh? Like, what yeah. do you mean? Like, you never tried these food? Like, mm-hmm. but then I think about it in the cities that you're in, like Chicago. I could visit Chicago to one of the best food cities. Like, we have everything. We have Greek mm-hmm. food. We have Italian food. We have soul food. We have Cajun food. Like, mm-hmm. we have everything. Everything. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful. I've never been to Chicago, but every time I think of Chicago, I think of Family Matters. Oh yeah, because that was my first introduction to seeing what city is that? Is that Chicago? And then Family Matters title pops up. Yep. Every time. So I've never been to Chicago, but I hear it's beautiful, but it's really cold at the same time. You uh, started your career at a very young age and then obviously you write as well. So would you ever find yourself writing a script at one point in your life? I'm, I'm, I'm literally finishing several um, and nice. many of them are influenced by my life I and mean, my experiences. One is um, specifically about me and my mother's relationship. My mom is like one of my dearest friends and obviously my mother, but she just recently, um, we just started cohabitating again together as now grown two grown women. My younger sister's here too, and she's also a, a young woman. And so I'm writing about that experience. I'm mm-hmm. writing about my favorite city in the country, which is New Orleans. Um, I have an incredible writing partner who I actually attended college with, who really is the foundation of, she. she's the structure. I'm great at storytelling and I'm really good from a macro perspective, mm-hmm. just as a producer, like, I can see things coming to life and understand how they need to be put together. But like sometimes the minute details get lost on me and she is the person that keeps me together in that capacity. So yes, um, this year, not even this year, I should have a couple of scripts done in the next couple of weeks. I've been writing for many years. Um, As I said, I have a degree in writing as well. So I've written for a long time, but in different mediums and formats. Mm-hmm. So um, I think I, it's taken me a couple years to really mm-hmm. get secure in my writing. Mm-hmm. As a screenwriter, screenwriting is a very particular formula. Exactly. Yeah. It's a you know it's so so specific that I mm-hmm. I was really doubting my abilities because I didn't study screenwriting. I studied creative writing. So mm-hmm. I was writing short stories and things like right. that. 
I'm strong in that, but like, I'm like, oh my God, I have to adapt to this structure. And oh my God, I need to, you know, it needs to have a climactic incident or, Mm -hmm. you know, all of these things. Uh, I feel like the best script uh, to, to really go by, I usually go to Sofia Coppola's um, Lost in Translation script. That's Mm. usually a good reference one because it details the movements are perfect. The, the shot, the, the way it describes the shots is perfectly. And when you watch it with the movie, it's like, Okay, now I know how to. It gives you a better structure. Yeah. Oh no, you can read any script. If you read a script and wa- like, if you read a script and watch the movie at the same time, like, yeah. uh, it's so yeah. helpful. But just reading scripts in general, it makes you a better writer. It's like once you realize that there's only so many types of movies, and pretty much they all follow the same structure, same act break structure, same like romantic incident, like inciting incident, like all of that is the same. Mm-hmm. You realize like, okay, I just have to plop things in. Actually, when I started really wanting to write, I started just taking a script that was at least of the same type of film and just literally going line by line and inserting my action here. And now yep. okay, I'm putting my dialogue and eventually you'll have a full script. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a whole process. Like you mentioned, it's a whole, it's a, diff- it's a whole different beast mode. And uh, do you use, what software do you use? Cause I use final draft. That's my, that's my, uh, yeah, final draft. I, I mean, I've done a little bit of everything. I have final draft. I use final draft primarily. Mm-hmm. I know some people use Celtics, um, mm-hmm. but I've, I, especially coming, you know, working for the people that I've worked with, like I've always had access to incredible technology and stuff. So I, you know, I've always at least even seen great formatted scripts. I've been able to read them all the time. And so everybody was like, if you see, if you're serious about this, you need to use final draft. So I started doing yeah. that. It's a really good, it's a really good, good software. And another movie that's really good to really, it's Legally Blonde. I love Legally Blonde. It's because the character goes through three or four different, um, different transitions. Like at first she's like, oh, I'm the, I'm this dumb blonde, da, da, da. And then her dad won't accept her. Like she feels like there's certain terminologies for it. You're widowed. Like a wid, like when a yeah. character. A widow, a character's widowed means that nobody wants you around. And then she had to go through that. And then she had to go to college. And then now she had to like compete with like four different. She had incredible, she had incredible character arc in that film. Yeah. Um, It really, I mean, it's a really, it's a really dynamic and developed character. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing, like I said, you're seeing that arc, you're seeing that growth, you're seeing the valleys, you're seeing the peaks. Mm-hmm. That's the word, character arc. Yeah. That's a lot of people write. It's easier to write from a character's uh, point of view. Instead of like, that's the easiest way to come up with a story. Oh, yes. I mean, now it's interesting. I, I agree. I'm the person who, and this is why sometimes I struggle. I see a scene in my head and now mm-hmm. I have to figure out an entire thing around this one scene that I have to see in my head. Cause it's like, mm-hmm. I have to bring it to life in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of work, man, but uh, which is, you, you should be glad that you have like a, somebody to help you with it as well. Cause doing it alone can sometimes it's like, it's overwhelming. It truly is. I'm so thankful. Whitney, if you're listening, um, <laughs> <laughs> you are my partner in crime and I'm so thankful and appreciative mm-hmm. of you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's good to have that the type of, uh, now acting wise, do you have a favorite technique? Like mine was Meisner, for example. Do you, I don't. Um, I, I truly do not. Mm. Uh, and it's interesting. I guess I haven't really like sharpened that skill in so long. Like if you would ask me probably 10, 13 years ago, I definitely would have. Um, I haven't even been in an acting class in probably, ugh, probably to over a decade. Mm. Um, cause it's just not something I've necessarily picked up now at my height of training, I was training literally every day for years. Um, mm. but I, I wouldn't say I have a, a favorite technique. Right. Um, 
No, not at all. I'm sorry. Yeah, no <laughs> worries. No, no, no worries. No worries. Because you've been in a uh, in the union for twelve years as an actress. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's see. Maybe longer. Uh, let's mm-hmm. see. Seven. Four, third, yeah, thirteen years. Mm-hmm. And it's. I'm actually. I will be very honest there. When I, I actually have not paid my dues, so I'm actually not an active member. But um, I could jump back in the union. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of politics being a union actor too. There's a lot that comes to it. I hear that a lot. If you're not active at, during the COVID times, your health insurance got taken away. So I mean, yeah, they, I mean that's you know because I had to, I, mean, I have a career outside of acting. It wasn't. Right. A, I guess where I needed my insurance to come from, but mm-hmm. uh, no, it, 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 there are a lot of politics. Yeah, it's a lot of politics. And I, 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 Fran Dretcher runs runs it now. The She's the president. Really? Yeah, she's the president of it. And I was like, wait, what? The nanny? Huh. I love her. Brilliant. Yeah. So Brilliant. now you've taken a, you took, you, you took a hiatus from acting, as mentioned, and then you got your BA in writing and everything from Spelman. What is something you've learned and then after that, no, sorry, let's back up a little bit. After that, you you interned for BET Networks, and then, while in uh, school, I interned while I was in school. Okay, perfect. So then, what's something you've learned during those times that you still apply today? <sighs> to live more um, mm-hmm. as a storyteller, I think so many times we're in our head about the story, and honestly, whether you're performing, whether you're writing, whether you're anything, it's to live more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also to pivot, learn how to pivot. Nothing in this business goes as planned. Yeah. Nothing. Mm-hmm. It's it's a, one of my favorite outcast quotes is you know you can you can plan a pretty picnic but you can't predict the weather. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think you know what we want to do in this storytelling business is plan a lot of pretty picnics. Yeah. Um, but whether it be you know now we have we're in the midst of COVID and. There are people who've had to be taken away from, or taken out of projects, mm-hmm. whether they, you know, they want to be COVID compliant or maybe they got sick or, you know, somebody dies unexpectedly or your deal doesn't come through or like, you know, just so much is the, the variables are just always moving. Yeah. Um, and so I just say, keep living and, um, and really, really, really always know how to pivot. And also remember that this, business specifically i think you know going to school i have so many friends who really aren't in this business at all but i've seen them do so many things people going Mm -hmm. through so many things that it always grounds me in knowing that i'm not doing i'm doing i'm doing important work art is important but i'm not doing life or death work right and i'm not a doctor i'm not saving anyone's life i'm not doing Mm -hmm. any of that so Mm -hmm. like i genuinely have found a way to make a living after from having fun Mm -hmm. and a lot of people don't have that privilege um and so i I think i always just try to remind myself not to take any of this shit too seriously Mm -hmm. don't get caught up in the bullshit no don't get caught up in the bullshit. Inhale the bullshit, exhale the bullshit exactly exactly because in a sense the industry is kind of like high school Oh, not in a sense. It is. It is high school. <laughs> uh, but you, yeah, it's, it gives you that that high school sense. I mean, to be very honest, I think, you know, we're in this industry, but I have friends who are in medicine or who are yeah. consulting and like every, so every community we all belong in, they're on their own discourse community. Right. They have their own language. They have their own politics. They have their own bullshit. Like, it's just the industry that we, you know, it, this is the poison we chose. Yeah. But like all of them, when I'm hearing other people, I'm like, oh my god, that's some that's some fucked up shit over there too. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned one thing is you never once you get in the industry, you never know where you're gonna end up. 
because like I started off as an actor and then I did music producing. And then after that, I picked up uh, podcasting. And then after that, photography or not photography and then podcasting. So it's like you never know. The people that you meet sometimes inspire you to do other things. It's also absolutely, that. and I mean, you just and you know, you just the more you're around it and you're learning about things. I've seen so many people be on set that they think they want to direct or they think they want to this or show run, right. and then you get to be on set and you realize what that real person really fully does. And you're like, oh no, I don't even want to do that no more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's why it's a preferable choice. It's like that's why I always ask sometimes, like, do you prefer to be in front of the camera or behind the camera? Some people love the intricate part of being behind the camera. Oh yes. Yeah. And you're one of them, which, you know what I mean? That's, that's probably, what's your favorite part about that? Giving people opportunity. Mm. Um, I, I, yes, I still, I love to act. It's still a passion of mine. Um, I didn't have a crazy list of things that I wanted to do. And I, you know, that I, I had like, they were like small things. Like I wanted to do something Christmas related. I wanted to be on Disney channel. I accomplished so many of my dreams before I was 16 mm-hmm. and because somebody gave me the opportunity to do so. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I absolutely love putting people in a position to make their dreams come true mm-hmm. and getting to do that behind the scenes and calling the shots or writing the check or mm-hmm. hiring the crew. You get to do that. I've mm-hmm. had so many people in my time working with Yara that have gotten a shooter and they've been like, she was on my vision board. And I found them on Instagram. Like that's something that, that, that is, it, it's an indescribable feeling how good it feels to be a part of someone's journey, to be a launching pad to somebody's greatness, to see something in somebody where they know it's there, but so many other people just may ignore it or not see it. Um, and it's something I, I don't take lightly and it's, it's a privilege and an honor to be able to to help people get closer to their dreams. Mm-hmm. It's a good feeling. It's a, it's a great feeling. Incredible feeling. It makes people trust you more. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of it. And then one of the people you mentioned before was a legendary, uh, legendary creator of Girlfriends. Mara Brockha-Kill. Mara Brockha-Kill. Expound a little bit on that experience. She's a so legend. I will give some background. So Mara spoke at Spelman probably, I think my junior, senior, junior year, I believe. And we got a chance to meet and, um, she, I told her, you know, I went to be back in the entertainment industry. And I, at the time I graduated college 20 years old. Um, so I think I probably had to be either 18, about to be 19 or 19. And she just told me to slow down that like this whole, this business wasn't going anywhere. So anyway, fast forward to a couple years later, I ended up running into Mara at the Essence Fest. And at the time she was looking for an apprentice and an assistant. Um, I was actually on a show at the time called Boss of Only TV doing celebrity news, which was a great experience, but I'm, I'm not a gossip news driven person. So it wasn't right. necessarily in alignment with who I am, but it was great. I had a great team, great crew. So anyway, I ended up interviewing and got the job with Mara, moved out to LA very quickly. And, um, at the time she had just sold love is which mm-hmm. aired on, um, own. And then her and her husband, Salim had also, they had just began pre-production on black mm-hmm. lightning. And so I got to be a part of so many things from helping to establish the writer's room to going over casting tapes to location scouting and wardrobe and just really seeing somebody create a show mm-hmm. from the ground up, the first draft draft of the script to, you know, being in that room and watching writers pitch. And especially as Mars works was largely inspired by her real life, hearing her just share her life. And that even goes back to what I was saying earlier about just living more 
so many stories, so many characters in her life and her stories are just inspired by living. And um, so, I mean, it was a, it was an incredible experience. I, yeah. I'm very honest and transparent that I was not the best assistant. I, assistant skill set is something I don't necessarily possess, but I right. was a really strong creative and Mara mm-hmm. has recognized that in me yeah. and has complimented me on that even, you know, exactly. beyond my time there with mm-hmm. her. So mm-hmm. it was, it was, an, it was, it, 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 that experience is so unique to me because most people don't understand if you're not in this business who the work that Mara has done and not just with the shows she's made Mara has been the gatekeeper for so many she has been why people started this business from Prentice Penny who's the showrunner of Insecure who now has an overall deal at ABC to Kenya Barris who went on to do America's Next Top Model and the, yes. the Ish Universe she's I mean she actually uh, Lena Waithe and just I mean so many people come from her tutelage that it is it is a true honor mm-hmm. to come from the school of a kill. Yes. Oof, that's a blessing. Cause yeah, like you mentioned, she you mentioned so many so many things that she has done. It's she needs the proper flower. Like she deserves it. She's done so much. She's incredible. She's yeah. she truly is a voice. Mm-hmm. It's it's and then do you still keep in contact with her? Do you talk to her from time to time? Do you guys? Um, I mean, we haven't had two crazy long conversations in a minute. We see each other around LA, and I think as you know, everyone's busy, but we right. both are very complimentary. Like she'll if she sees I'm doing something, like she'll DM me and vice versa, and she'll tell me she's proud of me and she sees mm-hmm. me or whatever, and I do the same. So I, I haven't talked to Mara. In a you know in depth conversation in a while, but we definitely keep in contact for sure. Mm-hmm. I actually also um, have a pretty pretty close relationship with her mother Joan, who mm-hmm. she named Joan's character on Girlfriends after. And so nice. I talk to her mom a couple times a year. She's a numerologist and helps and sends me my chart throughout my birthday. <laughs> nice. But I absolutely adore Miss Joan. I got to spend great time with her when I was with Mara. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm definitely I keep I keep in contact a bit. Girl, I love Girlfriends. That's that's, that's such a good show. It's such a good show. It came on, it was Girlfriends, and then it was like Moesha, and then it was like Moesha oh, first. Moesha, then Moesha, Girlfriends. So yeah, funny. Moesha. Mara wrote Mara wrote on Moesha. Mara was a writer on Moesha. Right. It wasn't yeah. her first um mm-hmm. wasn't her show, but she was one of the writers in the room. Right. And then yeah. for Moesha, she went on to make her own show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because UPN used to show that. I used to watch UPN yeah. a lot. So it was like Moesha, Girlfriends, and then there was All of Us. It was a bunch of different, different shows, one-on-one, bunch of different shows. And, I, was uh, sh- I love me some one-on-one. I love yeah. UPN, man. I love UPN. Mm-hmm. The, and it transitions to OWN. Was that, did it transition to OWN? Or CW. Was the CW. CW, that's what it was. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot. Yeah, it was like uh, the 2000s was pretty big on that, like the sitcom aspect of it. Because you also had, they also showed Steve Harvey show, I think, from what I remember. I think, yeah, I think UPN did have that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was a lot of great shows. Um, Now, outside of everything that you do, uh, what are some hobbies you have? (laughs) Getting back there. (laughs) um, My absolute favorite thing probably to do, and anyone who follows me online knows, I actually love spinning. It's Mm. obviously how I stay in shape, but I fell in love with spinning several years ago and it is one of my favorite thing. Um, I love to bowl. Mm-hmm. I like to um, go to the beach. I'm a huge thrift shopper um, and consignment nice. shopper. So like, I, I really don't really like too many brick and mortar stores like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm a vintage like fanatic. And so I'm always like 
trying to find really cool pieces. I'll mm-hmm. be at the Melrose Trading Post at Sloss and Swap Meet and finding things like that. Um, games. I love games. Like game nights are like my thing. I mm-hmm. love being with my people and eating and just like playing games, right? Most recently, my favorite game, probably a couple years, has been Culture Tags. And it's like acronyms about Black culture. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like taboo. It's great. It's it's so fun. It's mm-hmm. one of my favorite things to do. And karaoke. Nice. Okay. Now, you mentioned like the vintage part of it. Does that have something to do with like the traveling aspect of it? Is that maybe why you... No. Um, it's a few things. I... I grew up in a household that like quality was so important. Like my mm-hmm. parents would just have really nice quality goods. And like, as we've become more a large, bigger consumers, the quality of items have just declined. And so um, I genuinely like the quality of vintage pieces. In addition, like I've always just beat my own drum and I don't really like having things that people have. Mm-hmm. And so um, vintage finds are always very fun and cool. And it's just like treasure hunting to me. Right. It's just, so fun because you just never know what you're going to get mm-hmm. that's yeah that's the beauty of it uh now if your life had a soundtrack which five tracks would you pick my life had a soundtrack i'm gonna put um hmm, homecoming kanye west mm-hmm. gonna put homecoming i would do Great. Hollywood by Jay Z. Nice. Um, Rose by any other name, Tina Marie. Nice. Into Orbit, Alex Isley. Mm-hmm. And um, hmm, Hair Down by Sir. Mm, nice. I just watched the the first episode of Yeezus or Genius. Ah uh, yes, it's done out. Chica and Cootie, they were actually mm-hmm. like mentors. They're like great brothers of mine as well. But I met them actually interning at BET and got a chance to um, kind of celebrate them mm-hmm. and they're coming out of, of genius. I actually haven't seen it. I actually showed up to the screening late. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but I do. I've heard great things and I'm super excited to watch yeah. it. Yeah, I actually watched it like right before I got on with you. I was, and then I was wiping tears. I was like, man, I gotta get. I I'm a girl from Chicago. I love Kanye West. Yeah, like, I was gonna say, I and love it, Kanye West. It's probably and gonna hit home for you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm ecstatic to see it. Mm-hmm. Great, great footage. And there was so much stuff. I was like, wait, that's I didn't know that's he did that. It was so much stuff into it, and it's four parts, I think, or five. I can't remember. Tribe, the mission behind it. Expound a little bit on that. Tribe is, you know, it's interesting. So for those who don't know, I'm a span on the mission, but I'll explain what it is. So um, Tribe started now seven, eight years ago, and it was my effort to, or a few things, to connect like-minded women. I've always had really great one-off relationships, but I never was like the person who had like a community or a clique or anything. I still move very independently to this day and I have great friends. Um, but I just didn't feel like any of the cool people I knew knew each other. Mm-hmm. So that first began with like a group chat. And then it was also that so many conversations I have with friends, like I've hit people or my friends have hit me and we're just like, we're talking about mental health or our salaries for jobs. And like we teach and we guide and we 
are taught and guided by one another. And so uh, we launched a platform where people, women could, could contribute um, across all types of subjects from financial literacy to mental health and wellness, to friendship, to travel mm-hmm. and built this community out. Um, it's since, um, I mean, if you can still go look at old past articles, but we, we've since uh, ceased publication and it may be something I bring back, but tribe for me is a lifestyle. Um, tribe, I, I, I live by three things, which are also the pillars of tribe mm-hmm. and it's self-determination theory. And it says that people need three things to be successful and to be fulfilled in life. You need autonomy to be who you are. You need something that you can contribute to the world, like a skill set or something, a passion, a hobby, and you need community. And Mm -hmm. so for me, my job is to bridge that gap wherever somebody needs it, specifically other women of color um, and even more specifically black women. But it's very, it's an inclusive community. It's something tattooed on my body. It is how I live my life. Um, with a spirit of tribalism. Very zen-like. It's very zen-like as well. I love that. What's next for you? You mentioned you have, you're starting your own company and everything. What's next for you? Yeah, I'm launching my production company. I won't share the name of that just yet, but launching my own production company. Um, I'm already creatively producing a few projects. So that's super exciting. And um, prayerfully what's next is I sell some of these projects I'm writing. I'm in great talks with different uh, studios and stuff. And so in a dream world, I would be getting a first look deal um, and have a studio home. Mm, that's, that's awesome. That's, so that's uh, bringing, you know, productions by me, stories that I want to tell. Mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. continuing to do the work I'm already doing on a larger scale. Yeah. Keeping it in-house this time. Yeah. Keeping it in-house, as you should. You know, eventually you have to grow and kind of keep everything. Yeah. Uh, now, towards the end of the podcast, I have these 10 rapid questionnaires that I got from Inside the Actor Studios as I okay. honor James Lipton. The first question is, what is your favorite word? Inspire. What is your least favorite word? Extra. <laughs> what turns you on in life? Turns me on in life. Uh, inhibit, lack of inhibition. What turns you off in life? Bullies. What sound or noise do you love? Lo-fi sounds. What sound or noise do you hate? I do not like the sound of nature. Really? No, it's not. It's not very pleasing to me. Like I'm a person who works out even indoors. I don't really like, I don't love being outside. Really? So you like noise maybe? Like like cars and... Yeah, it's like I prefer city noise to like like the quiet of like a quiet town <laughs> like bugs i don't like all that sound i don't like all that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what is your favorite curse word bitch <laughs> <laughs> what profession other than your own would you like to attempt i want to be a sexologist one day <laughs> nice uh what profession other uh what profession would you not like to do I would never teach, but shout out to the teachers. You, we need you and you're leading America, but mm-hmm. fuck them kids. No, I'm joking. Not fuck them kids, but like, <laughs> I, it's not for me. I don't have that kind of patience. Yeah, yeah. You're probably like the eighth or tenth person that said that, like, no want to be a teacher. Yeah, but um, we need y'all, so. Yeah. And the last one is, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Job well done. 
Mm -hmm. Any last words you like to give to the people? Any shout outs? And where can they follow you on the social? Um, I'm going to close it with a, a word of affirmation. It's something I say every day and it's a, kind of without long, but um, I just want everyone to remember that you're called. You are called, you are rich, you are chosen, you're rich in every way and generous on every occasion. You're anointed, you're appointed and equipped by the power of God that works mightily within each and every one of us. No weapon formed against you can prosper and no enemy scheme against you will succeed because you live, you breathe and you serve powerfully under the shelter of the Most High. And uh, a person's advice will take you as far as it took them. And on that note, peace.